Welcome to Code Splitters Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Mikkel. And I'm Kevin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Code Splitters Podcast. Um, clarification here at first, we skipped a month <laughs> because we're very bad at planning and we ran into some some scheduling stuff. That's just how it is. Uh, I think I've mentioned before that we are wildly irregular. Um, that might be a goal for the end of the year to get better at that. <laughs> but let's leave it at that. Um, I think we have a lot of exciting things this time around, especially because we skipped a month. So um, a, a lot of things has happened in, in, in the world of web. Um, so I think we'll we'll go over a recurring segment we have uh, had before, talking about Safari, WebKit, what's new over there, especially because Apple just had their WWDC, the worldwide, well, well yeah, it's a developer conference. I think it's worldwide, can't remember. Um, abbreviations. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a new CSS thing uh, that is finally, finally close to landing. And, uh, and then we have some new Nuxt experience to talk about as well. But before all that, uh, how have you been since last time, guys? It's been, it's been a while now, so, <laughs> so you know, maybe you forgot the whole deal. So what about you, Kevin? Um, let's see. Well, since a couple of weeks ago, I am knee-deep nerding out in Diablo, as many other uh, video game enjoyers, I think, these days. Uh, so that's been taking like all of my free time. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. Um, and apart from that, I don't think we have anything uh, anything new. The weather has been really good here until today in Denmark for the last like two weeks, right, or something. It's been really just full on dry. summer. Yeah, very dry. Um, so yeah, it's been nice um, having a bit of an early full summer in. Uh, in June. Hopefully that doesn't mean it's going to rain all August, but uh, probably it does. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Apart from that, uh, nothing too much new. Um, and and work-wise, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later uh, about some, some new for us, new uh, waters we're treading uh, with, with some of the newer projects. Um, where we that sounds were exciting. Trying, yeah, we were trying out uh, Umbraco Headless, which we talked a little bit about with Philip uh, when he was on uh, from Umbraco. Um, yeah, trying that out. But uh, I think we'll talk about that a bit later. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Miguel? You still, uh, you're still stuck in manager life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been uh, coded anything. Code coding, so yeah, uh, I'm still doing code reviews, though. Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm not that far away. Uh, so still trying to, uh, to, uh, yeah, to to keep on coding. Uh, but I am. Uh, we we have a, a robot, uh, like a lawnmower robot now. Oh, so uh, yeah. I got that installed uh, like a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so. Um, so yeah, that's really, really, really nice. Um, we have this uh, gardening segment in our podcast. So uh, that's uh, that's the update <laughs> from here. We have a robot now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm your, really happy for it. Yeah. So, what does uh, your dog say to that? 
he was uh, very uh, excited in the way that he really wants to to bark at it and <laughs> and you know so but it was uh, like he, he, i think he didn't understand the movements like because it was very like unpredictable like then it then it it uh, it turned and then it uh, start moving and so he was really uh, confused i think so that but it like after a few days he was uh, it, it was fine so um, he's he's getting used to it Awesome. So uh, it, yeah, yeah. yeah we is it one of? Oh, sorry. Can sorry. go ahead? Now we have a, a robot vacuum uh, mm. at home that we run every now and then. Yeah. Uh, and our dog is just in the beginning he was a bit scared. Now he's just annoyed because he's lying somewhere on the floor. And then it comes near, and then he's just looking at it. He's like, it's gonna come here, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And then he's just, and he just gets up and goes to another room, and then. Yeah. At some point, a vacuum will come there, and it's like, oh, I move again. Damn, <laughs> tough life. <laughs> it's a very difficult life. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. We we have one of those as well, Kevin. Uh, but yeah, I am. I, um, I wanted to ask Michael: is it is it one of the like? There's a lot of different ones, I guess. But is it one of the smarter ones that will like, if the dog is in a way, it'll actually stop, or does it just go its route? Um, it will uh, it will just bump into stuff and then turn around and go away like it's not, oh, okay uh, it, no so it doesn't uh, it doesn't stop uh, if it's, it's not a smart smart version yeah. no 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 it's um no it's uh, smart enough I guess uh, but it's uh, I need to like uh, clear the yard from uh, toys stuff. and yeah. and uh, yeah all the footballs and uh, yeah toys and and stuff that's uh, lying around. So yeah, but uh, but it it is nice. But uh, now since we have so much uh, heat in Denmark and uh, almost like a, a drought, so it's really really dry. So the lawn is just uh, yellow. So I, I've just turned it off because it doesn't really make sense. The 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 grass doesn't even grow now. It sounds like ours. So, yeah. So uh, but it's nice to have anyway. So awesome. Yeah. But, uh, Good thing bringing back the garden segment there. I can I can actually jump straight into that. Not related to the lawn because ours is, as you said, yellow and dry. So it's like going barefoot is actually unpleasant. I would say <laughs> it's just oh god. But yeah, but we've we've um, we're um, we're tending to the, uh, the 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 garden and have a lot of vegetables this year uh, already. So our strawberries are nearly there. And we have, you know, a lot of berry bushes as well. But we've had um, cucumbers already ready. So the kids are bringing those to school and stuff like that. So that's actually, I think they think it's pretty fun to be part of that. So, you know, go out and we, we, we water them in the evening because, you know, because it's so dry, we, we sort of have to yeah. um, just to make sure that everything is, is there. And we, we put a net over our strawberry field, a patch, I guess it's called. Um, and twice now, a bird has gotten under it and got stuck in there. So we had to sort of rescue it and get it out. <laughs> So uh, there you go. Um, yeah, and there's a cat circling outside right now. So I bet he's been like, this This is the place where the birds get trapped. So yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, easy dinner. I'll, I'll uh, be watching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, apart from that, I think uh, alongside Kevin, uh, I've also been uh, playing Diablo. Um, I had, uh, I was, I, <laughs> that's a luxury problem, right? But Diablo came out just around the time where I went to France to watch Le Mans. Uh, so a luxury issue, I was like, oh, I don't get to play Diablo, but I do get to go down and watch this amazing worldwide event of a race. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but I can, I can assure you it was, it was actually hotter in France as well. I think we had a little over 30 degrees most of the days down there. Um, and me coming as this pale white guy, um, I would say it was, it was tough. I, I have to say, I got out the bus and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, can we go home now? I'm, I'm not gonna survive this. <laughs> uh, so I've been, uh, I've been, you know, like smearing suntan lotion for, for like a week and, uh, but it was a great experience. So, so I did have that. Um, nice. Yeah. And work wise as well, I don't think, uh, it's, it's still same old, same old for me, but, uh, but we have had the opportunity to update Angular now as well on our primary project for one of our, our clients. Um, so I, I've I've gotten to you know get to touch some of the new things that are coming in Angular. It's it's actually again I'm a little out of the loop on the other frameworks. Of course I know they update and they come with new things, but but Angular is in in a huge transformation mode right now. There's so many things going on, so it's really exciting. But it's also actually hard to keep up, right? Like the new reactive primitive uh, with signals. You have um, and this is actually a thing I remember Miguel you talked about that could be fun. You know, like with the other project we're on. But you can actually do required inputs now. You can mark an input as required, and it will complain about it if if people consuming your component haven't you know provided that input. Mm. Um, so that's pretty cool. Great. So so nice. lots of neat stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, and I think I think that's that's the gist of it, really. Um, yeah, summer's going on is soon vacation mode. So um, so there's that too. Looking looking forward to that. But without, uh, I think without further ado here, let's get into our uh, recurring segment. I don't know what we call it. Is it uh, WebKit news? What's new in Safari? I don't know. It's related to Safari. Let's just should, leave it at that. We should have a jingle for this section. We should have a jingle. Yeah. Um, let's, <laughs> that's for the future. I'll look into that. It should be something funny. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So, uh, so Apple had their, their big developer conference as well. And the part of that was dedicated to Safari. Um, so apart from just normal WebKit updates, you know that that follow along that we get, you know, uh, over the year, there was some like some extra things here. Uh, there was their whole uh, what's it called XR, so so you know VR, uh, augmented reality stuff with their new ski-like goggles and stuff like that. Of course, there were some some three D model support and Safari added with that. I didn't look too much into that, but but that's there as well. But some notable things I think are there are, and this is funny because Safari now supports web apps. That you can, you know, you can save them and you can open them from your launcher at the bottom of the screen, so they're separated from the actual Safari browser, right? Um, but and this is where it gets funny. They work without a manifest file and without a service worker, which is usually the requirements for having, you know, a PWA, a progressive web app that you can mm. install. It's all like in in on Windows and, and other ways. So they've actually gone a little off spec here and just like you, you can do it without these. They still recommend doing it. I looked at their web page and stuff like that. They still recommend doing it to getting the the all the good things in there. But it does like it works with standards APIs like web push badging, etc. Um, so it's just it's just a little funny. And then of course them being Apple, it's like you know like they presented it as they invented it, but you know that's that's normal, I guess. Um, and then I think I think I can't remember. It, it's funny it was added here. I'm a little unsure, but the add to home screen for iOS devices and iPad and stuff like that, um, where you can add a, a PWA to the home screen, um, which was only available for Safari itself, is actually available for other, you know, like uh, 
Chrome on on uh, on iOS and, and stuff like that. But I'm I'm yeah. just a little unsure if I'm reading it wrong because I, I thought that was implemented a bit before, but but maybe they're just highlighting it this time around. I as think well. I think it came in the last version. Was it like was it sixteen point five four or something? Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I tried it when just when I got the update and and, and it, it worked fine in in Edge and another. Yeah, so, maybe maybe it's just um, maybe it's just that them putting it on there to mention it. Yeah, yeah even though it was yeah that might be. Um, <clears throat> so that's pretty cool in the web app world as well. Um, I know some people are still going to be like you know they're not entirely up to par um, um, in, in PWA space, but but this is at least getting better. It's it's at least something they're you know they're talking openly about it as opposed to before. So so that's neat. Yeah. So, seems uh, like seems like maybe they're like starting to acknowledge that there's a space here that they need to prioritize. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, but but yeah, it is a little bit funny this uh, thing where it's it doesn't require a service worker and it doesn't require a manifest. It's just basically just some kind of bookmark, I guess, um, like yeah. leaving it outside. So yeah, but it's uh, interesting what the next step step will be. Indeed, yeah. Um, and the next thing, that's a little funny. I don't know if you actually know about this, but there's a new image format called JPEG XL. Um, yeah, I heard about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I heard about it as well on, the, I think, HTTP 203 podcast as well there because they go very in-depth on things, right? Um, I heard about it there. Um, it, it has a new encoding algorithm, supports progressive loading, and, and you know, you can recompress a current JPEG into a JPEG XL, and it'll be, you know, without loss of quality, but it's like roughly 20, 20% smaller and stuff like that so it's pretty cool but actually i noticed that safari is actually the only browser now to have you know support this new one so they're they're mm. they're one of the places where they're ahead so that's pretty cool actually okay. do, so do that'll you know... be from safari 17 i think it's called the next one yeah okay i'm, I'm just curious I, I i heard about it but i don't know that much about it actually but do you know the extension is it still jpeg or is it something else see um i should have probably noted that down i actually don't know I don't oh, know if it's fine. just an encoding thing. Uh, it might be, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll have to because, look that up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, I guess uh, it doesn't, like, uh, file size-wise, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't win over AVIF, or does it? I didn't check that either. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> this is not a test. I'm just uh, th thinking out loud. So, so I failed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, yeah, um, but yeah. It's an alternative. I don't know actually. I don't know how well it fares to other uh, um, um, formats or stuff like that. But yeah, it's. An, yeah. I guess it's a better version of of JPEG itself. I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, that would so, require someone with a lot more image knowledge to uh, to sort of uh, yeah, yeah go deep there. It's interesting. Like if if it's the same, uh, if it's an if it is the same uh, extension, just like dot. JPG, right? Then JPEG, like, I think it is, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, you can use both, right? Oh, okay, they're the same. Okay, yeah. But um, <clears throat> it's like if you don't support JPEG, then the support, like the, the fallback is, is that also JPEG? Then like the old version, like I'm just wondering, like the fallback mechanism for that. How, how I, that could uh, be. I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually okay. uh, the extension is JXL. Oh, yeah, okay. I just noticed that. It makes sense. It's a new Great. one. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so the the fallback will still be classic JPEG. Yeah. Nice. Um, the last big thing I noted there, and I guess that's just because I think that space is pretty cool. It's like um, in the world of HTML, 
they now support the popover attribute. So uh, the new the new API for displaying overlays, pop up popovers, and dialogues uh, directly in browser without you know all the the JS shenanigans we've had to use now. Um, and there's two modes. There's auto. That means that you get a popover where it actually closes when you click outside. You know, it has that sort of overlay or the click outside functionality. Another functionality that we repeatedly import or or use, right? Uh, and then there's manual, of course, where if, if you want to force that, you know, you should press a close button or whatever, you know, that you can't click outside and close. Um, and a funny thing here, and I actually didn't know that, it requires a button to open or close. Um, I'm not sure entirely on the speaker that there might be some underlying things here, but but you you annotate a button like you put uh, an attribute called, called pub over target, which is then um, you know the ID of the element that will become the popover, and then that one has an attribute called popover, which is either manual or auto, um, and then there's a popover action a target action, which for the button that shows it is of course show, and for the one that hides it is hide. That's sort of the way it works. Um, I think that's pretty cool. It's um, uh, full support in Chrome, Edge, Safari from 17, of course. And then Firefox has it in uh, 115 behind a flag so soon as well there. So soon we'll have that openly as well. Um, and um, I'm a little unsure if this was the there's the overlay API. It might be this one as well. But I, I saw mentions of it on Twitter that Behind the scenes, the new um, what's it called? The select uh, the, the new styleable select one, select menu, or whatever it's called. Um, it, the, the popover functionality of that is actually built on this API, I think, underneath as well. So that's pretty cool how it all comes together. That the, that all these different APIs are, you know, it's a showcase of you know this is actually you know the way we intend the intend the use case as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't know about you, of course. I think we've talked about it briefly before, right? But some of the harder things to actually implement and that we do all the time is like dialogues and stuff like that With when you think about accessibility and click outsides and, and stuff mm. like that. If you can make that, that, you know, that much easier and not require JavaScript, it's pretty, that's pretty freaking cool. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a lot saved there as well. Um, and a lot of hurdles saved as well. I guess you don't have to think about that extra accessibility step if it's built in. So, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, exactly. management and such yeah. yeah you can probably catch a lot of uh, like common mistakes by just building it in and using the platform yeah <clears throat> exactly yeah and i think that's that's pretty much what i noted down i know there have been another uh, a lot of other updates related to css and, and some selectors and, and and some some things there uh, as well um but but none of those were like really i think at the level of this this is what i was excited about at least so that's why i noted it down um but i think it's, it's pretty cool i've i, I mean I've, we've talked about it before right but but um but they're they're really they're upping their game i think um i think you mentioned it last time right Michael, that we're actually in a case right now where where Firefox is a tad behind on some things, and and I guess it goes up and down, but yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I'm just wondering, like these uh, these popover and dialogue and stuff. Like, I I wonder if they are using the 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 layering uh, beneath, like the uh, layers. If I think they are. Some yeah. of those mechanisms are the same or reused. I saw something. I think. Yeah, I, I looked into some examples of it, and I think they mentioned the layering, like with the with the backdrop and stuff like that. If you wanted to add a backdrop and stuff like that, it's in that new yeah. layer as well. Yeah, yeah. So you have to do it in a, in a funky way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I haven't in, even looked into it, but like, I'm, I'm also wondering, like, if you have uh, nested uh, pop-ups or dialogues or pop-overs, how is that even possible, or do you is that yeah? I don't know. I actually don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, or I'm confident that this is thought through. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Probably, <is. laughs> I would assume so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting. Awesome, and um, yeah, that's it for uh, that's it for WebKit news, and then we should have an outro jingle, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's talk about CSS nesting. Um, I think we've talked about it. We've mentioned it before as well uh, in relation to um, preprocessors when we had that big talk about you know SAS and and, and the others. Um, and that one thing that was, you know, really cool and really used in these preprocessor tools was actually nesting selectors because, you know, made it easier to couple things and didn't have to write out too many double things, right? If you had a, if you had a selector and then you wanted, you know, to add some styling to two, three child selectors or whatever, you'd, you'd have to, you'd, you'd have to write a lot more CSS. So it was sort of a way to save the CSS as well, or save on lines wrote, uh, written, but, but also, um, sort of readability of it. But that's actually that's coming natively to the browsers now. Um, it's behind a flag in 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 Firefox, but has been enabled in Nightly. Um, and as far as I know, that means that it's there soon, really, really soon. And that means all major evergreen browsers um, supports it. And I figured it'd be nice to actually talk just briefly about what that what that actually means and and how it works. Uh, I don't know how much you read up on it, of course. Um, but then I guess we I have some notes here as well, and we could talk a little bit back and forth. Um, but but I guess it's because I'm actually not the hugest CSS guy of the three of us. Um, um, uh, so so maybe you already have some insights, or or you're looking really much forward to it. Well, I I heard a lot about it. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> I um, I have heard it mentioned uh, many times in different uh, other podcasts. But uh, so I also I heard about the the syntax has changed at least one time or maybe more times uh, so uh, yeah um, I actually can remember what the syntax landed on or if it has I guess it has landed since it's, it's no it's, it's still behind the flag right or... uh, no no it's it, it, it's behind the flag in, in Firefox right but uh, yeah. but soon release so so all the other browsers uh, it, it's uh, it's available there yeah all right so I guess they I hope they agreed on a syntax before launching it. Um, so yeah, I so I know I haven't uh, actually looked at the syntax, so I'm uh, excited to hear if you can talk about that. I <clears throat> I can. I actually I I was actually looking into if I could share my screen. That would that would have been easier, anyways. Um, then you could look at it here. Anyways, yeah, I'll try and talk over it, right? But if you are used to the preprocessor with SAS, you know, uh, SCSS files, then um, if you were doing uh, a nested selector, like you wanted to add an, an you know, a, a class to your, your, you know, the main selector, um, then you would do the ampersand character, right? So ampersand and then, you know, whatever class name or, or, or selector uh, after that. And it's pretty much the same here. Um, Let's see, I'll just show you this link there on Slack. Then you can actually have a look. Um, um, but but it, there's a, there's apparently 
um, there's a limitation to it compared to in SAS because in SAS, right, you could do the ampersand and then two dashes and then the, you know, the name of a class to do the BEM syntax if you wanted that, right? Um, but the special thing about this spec here is that uh, what comes, like what you nest has to be, um, uh, it's, an, it, it's an object reference, right? So you cannot actually put an H1 there because in CSS, that's not an object apparently. But if you put a, you know, uh, a, a dot, um, it, it has to be a symbol, it says, right? So if, you know, a dot, if you're adding a class or add or any of the other selectors you use, pseudo selectors and stuff like that, they will actually work there. Um, sibling selectors, uh, uh, those will work in there as well. Um, but you can use the is. So like if you wanted to nest an H1, you know, like have that in a nesting there, um, you can use the is pseudo selector as well. Um, so, so the syntax actually looks very much like what I've been used to in SAS uh, when I'm looking at it. Um, yeah. Um, and basically, I think if you, and it's funny because the ampersand character is actually a reference to the, to the, the class that you're nesting from. So if you put like three ampersands uh, and then something, it will actually like said you had a card, right? And then you, you wanted to nest something in there and you put three ampersands and then another class there. It, the, the class that would actually come out of it, the actual result of it would be like card, 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 and then your class as well, because the ampersand is just a direct reference to the uh, to the parent selector. Um, but but it's it's pretty cool. It it it, it opens up a, a lot of things, um, and also because you can use all these side selectors, you could put media queries in there as well, um, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know if you're looking at the uh, <laughs> at the link I, I gave you. Yeah, um, I was but, just going over it. It's. I was just thinking that it is, as you said, it's very similar to what we're used to in like uh, both CSS or SAS. I think they do stuff very similar, but then there's yeah. these minor differences that it's going to take some time to get used to. Uh, like, yeah, not being able to nest directly like H1s or something under it. Uh, like yeah, yeah. Then you would have to use the is selector, right? In, 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 that, in, yeah. in that case, yeah. yeah. There are some yeah. caveats. Yeah. And yeah, it's a bit funky, uh, or not? Fun. That's I guess that's how it is. Um, that's what I use it a lot for. Is like maybe a rich text editor or something that comes back that you want to like wrap with a class, and then I select the paragraphs and the headers and the list items and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, to nest under that. Because um, usually I try to avoid nesting as much as possible, uh, but that. I use it there a lot. I think the media query thing is really nice. That's where I like it a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a CSS class and then put the responsiveness directly in there, so to speak, instead of having to, if you're writing vanilla CSS, you'd have to have like a whole media query block, which which is, I think, really weird. So that that's a really good application, I think. I, I agree there. And, and I think you're right that too much nesting, no matter if you're using SAS or or this new one here, is of course it can be a code smell, right? Um, but but it is incredibly good for grouping things, and I think that's the that's the best part of it, right? Um, that you can sort of group things now, also in 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 yeah, vanilla CSS, if you may. Yeah, I think it's also closer to the way that we think. Like we have we have a component like a, a card, and this card should look differently in different screen sizes. So that's how you want the code, like a small screen size, this, and then uh, bigger and bigger, and so on. Uh, you, you don't want 
the other way around where you have the screen sizes and then all the components inside because that it's it smells more like a, a duplication um but of course the <laughs> the media query is also duplicated of course but it's uh it's in a more clean way i think so yeah i think it makes sense yeah i think it's um i'm just I think the the key rule also when you're looking at the syntax and stuff like this is that if you're nesting a class without using the ampersand, then it's always a descendant selector, right? So because so if you want to just add a class to your parent class, right? You know, like that that sort of nesting, like sort of elements and stuff like that, you'll have to use the ampersand. So so I, I think as when you get that under your skin, I think it's gonna be easy enough to reason about. Like I I think I've rarely had to use like very complex child selectors and stuff like that of course i've used the bim syntax one i think that's at, at least from what i've seen in sas and from what i've worked with that's the most used one right where you did the ampersand and then you did the uh either double underscore or double dash right for for some of the bim syntax stuff um and of course that's not you you cannot really do that here uh, that's a limitation because it doesn't work on strings but object references right to the to the css object um yeah <clears throat> In in uh, yeah, and you're right. Uh, I've also seen the uh, like ampersand used in in conjunction with the uh, like the BIM syntax where you have a component and then you because you're extending the uh, the BIM uh, model, so you're nesting it because you don't want to write it more times like more yeah. than once, exactly, keeping yeah. keeping it uh, dry and so on. But uh, I, I'm actually I've also <laughs> I've always been a little uh, against that actually because. Uh, it makes it really hard to search in the project uh, for for this long uh, BIM uh, class because it's uh, split up. Uh, and I think maybe there are plugins that will fix that or something. But yeah, I've generally uh, not uh, been a big fan of that. Um, so, uh, but but this is uh, this this changes things, I guess. Uh, or does it? No, I guess it's the same. Um, so, yeah. I think that's actually uh, what you said. There is actually a very valid point, and I remember you talking about it. I guess yes. years back, actually. <laughs> but but yeah, but but I understand it, right? I, it really makes sense because like the the, um, the double dash, I can't remember, but that's the modification, right? In them, um, like you could have one that's called the same for different other parent classes, right? So if you had searched for mm. that bit, you you know you wouldn't know where to where to find it. So no. so that's that's definitely a thing, right? And especially now that our editors editors like where you can click a CSS class and it'll just bring you over to the CSS file and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That sort of gets broken in that way. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty excited for this. Like for like I, our the project I'm on is still using SAS um, SAS files uh, because of a lot of the legacy stuff is there. There's still a lot of um, what you call variables in there as well. Um, but we've been sort of moving over to CSS variables, so it's you know slowly cleaning it up. So we actually, even though it's SAS files, we have less and less CSS, you know SAS syntax in them. Um, and then the web components I've been building in Lit have been just pure CSS. So so this is pretty cool because you know I sort of wrote both things. So I was used to the nesting in one file, and then when I got over in the other, I was like, oh yeah, I got to remember, I can't I can't do that here. Um, um, but but with this, it's sort of you know like uh, the transition is going to be easier, and I think a lot more fun. Just it feels modern, right? It feels, uh, mm. and as you said, it feels closer to how you think when you write CSS selectors. Um, and I think that's also worth worth noting um, in this regard. Yeah, yeah. To then, get, sorry, go ahead. It was just like. 
And then there's the whole, like, if you're using uh, Tailwind, then you don't have uh, these problems as much. But of course, you will always have some kind of, of custom uh, code. Uh, but yeah, I, I generally don't see that we missed that much uh, in in our latest projects, at least. Uh, but but of course, like, if you are getting, for example, like, if you're getting, um, if you have a rich text field where, from a CMS, uh, then you probably want to do some some styling that, like you have a like a class, out like around that field, uh, so to say that this is a rich text thing, and then something inside that uh, should look in a different way. Uh, so there are still uh, cases for it, uh, I think. So, but but I think we see less and less of it. Yeah, and I tend to have try to avoid it for like custom CSS, but there are yeah applications like that or or third party libraries where you want to overwrite the styling sometimes have to be more specific like one more level specific than the <laughs> library is yeah. or something like that and I, I was just wondering now because i was looking at the syntax and stuff and i was thinking like oh yeah it's really nice with the the media queries inside but as far as i know and correct me if i'm wrong because i haven't written vanilla css in a long time actually because uh, i always use both css now um but you can you now use custom CSS properties in a media query? Because it's all cool to nest a media query, but if you have to hard code the pixel amount, it kind of loses the whole... Uh, uh, it's a good question, actually, good. but uh, I was also wondering about that. But I The last not... I read is that you can't, which is okay. kind of... Yeah, I still yeah, think that's yes, kind of a can. bummer. That's a bummer, yeah. <laughs> yes. If you can, yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah, th- those uh, pixel values or th- those uh, values uh, for your media queries is definitely not something you want to copy around your your site. You want to no. keep that in, in variables. So yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of where I'm at with this vanilla CSS thing. I'm like, every time something new comes out, I'm like, it's really cool. But and I'm like, am <laughs> I gonna use it? Not until it fixes all the stuff I have in both CSS now. Because mm. if I have to hard code my media queries, then it's a no go. So it's a little, uh, they're, they're getting there, but it's not, I, mean, I wouldn't use it because, oh, now we can do nesting and, and variables and other stuff that's cool, but yeah, it's they a good need point. to get a bit further still before I'm like, just go full vanilla CSS. It's um, also like, it, it it might fix some problem, but if you get a new problem, then it's, uh, then it's not really that great, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little... So. Uh, funny that way but it's it's yeah. nice there uh, i'm wondering if, if if there's a lot of uh people that have tried to move over to just vanilla css and how they they have solved these things i, th- I think there are and and i you know maybe there's still i i would wager in in in, in that specific issue there kevin i think people might still be using a variable of some sort here and there uh, design token wise right um, so there might still be a, a, a compile step, and if not, I, you know, maybe they're lucky enough that the system isn't that big that they, you know, having it four places or whatever is not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> on the other hand, like I've never had a, I don't think I've ever had a project where after design has been done or like at any point where like let's change the media queries, like that doesn't really happen anyway, but. So, so I from that as like I've never changed. I think a media query value 
if, if you put it in like a SAS variable or something. I don't think I've ever changed that <laughs> in any project because that's like a complete overhaul. So in that sense, maybe it's not that important, but it kind of feels a little wrong, right? To hard code like uh, okay, 768 pixels and up or something like that. Feels a little uh, weird, yeah. although you might probably <clears throat> never change it. But yeah. yeah, screen resolutions doesn't change that often. Uh, so oh. <laughs> you, you probably want to keep it that way. So yeah, but I, I know I have the same feeling that it feels like hard coding. It feels like it's yeah. it's dirty. So feels yeah. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> my o- OCD is, is triggering. <laughs> that's, but, uh, it's, it's, that's a valid point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels better to uh, yeah. have a design token somewhere. Yes, I want to keep it in one place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I was look, I was wondering because I've, I've, you know, from the three of us, I'm probably the most behind on like what's new in <laughs> browsers and stuff like that. I was just checking where the container queries are at, but there seem to be actually ready to use. Or am I wrong? I, I see latest two, latest two evergreen browsers are all green. So it seems yeah, like I, it's, and, and not behind the flag either. It seems like ready. I but, think it is uh, actually, I can't remember what, when was it. I think there was some, was it in around May? Late May, maybe that it was launched, or like okay. uh, like all browsers yeah. supported. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember, but I have a feeling that's correct. That uh, but yeah, May, May is May the second, I think, was when mm. uh, all browser versions uh, got up to date on it. I think oh, okay. yeah, around that. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, both the container queries and the all the container units uh, are ready to use. So that's that's pretty huge, actually. I yeah. haven't actually it talked the- about that. Much, no, that's so. that's where I was a bit confused. I haven't seen. I'm not uh, on like uh, yeah, as I said, on news or Twitter stuff like that much. But I do skim it every now and then. I haven't heard that people are like I'm now using it. It's ready. Uh, I haven't really. Uh, that's actually that. true. That's actually kind of, kind no, but I, I I think that there has been a lot of buzz like uh, in the like maybe last year or two. Uh, running up to it, so I think maybe that's that's why, or I don't know, but uh, yeah, I think uh, people are aware that it's there and maybe they are using it. So uh, yeah. I'll have to look into not. it. Yeah, but it is it is really really nice, and it's uh, yeah, I think it's uh, something that that will probably change a lot of things, like uh, around the mindset on, on how to build a component and how to. Uh, yeah, how components are designed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I was thinking uh, components that sort of fit into, um, you know, customizable dashboards and stuff like that. You know, widget grids or whatever yeah. stuff like that. That that's the that's just the first use case that comes to mind for me. Also because we actually have something similar on a product uh, that we're working on, uh, and it would just make sense there to instead of you know putting all this logic in and saying like, okay, so it's version this, and then we add a class saying that it's this size. And just have it yeah. react to the size, and you can just sort of put it wherever, and it'll it'll adapt. Exactly. Um, that'll be incredible. Also, because then that that you know that component or the CSS related to that component is actually contained in the same place, right? So mm. I, I, my guess is that it's more readable, and and you know it's all in the same place. But yeah, yeah. that's actually I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look into that. Then maybe in a future episode, we'll see if uh, if I got around to it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It might also be something to check out for the newer projects, if oh, that yeah. makes sense. But uh, yeah, 
that's pretty cool. Do you know what what else uh, is new? Like a huge uh, bomb also has been dropping. Oh, it's maybe not what? dropped entirely. Tell us, Michael. <laughs> the the I'm I'm pretty excited about the uh, pace transitions or is it oh, called view yeah. transitions maybe? Um, but this is a huge thing. Uh, I think it's it's as far as I know it has only uh, landed in Chrome, maybe behind a flag. I think, I think so. Um, but it is pretty far and but i don't know about the other browsers if it's uh so maybe they just uh, launched it uh, by themselves so let's let's see but it, it is uh, pretty nice so uh, it's it's like so if you have like a let's say like a normal classic uh website like a some people call it mpa like this multiple page app like uh, it's it's a normal web page that redirects when you click a link right so then like historically it has been impossible to have uh, page transitions here you would need to go into a uh, spa mode uh, to do that and all javascript uh, rendered uh, but now you can actually just with a few lines of uh, html and css and uh, maybe a meta tag i think then you can uh, enable this and uh, make it really easy to like when you click a link you can you can have things transition to to the new position on the other page, if if the same elements are, are on both pages, right? Um, and and you can do like fade, and you can do almost like a PowerPoint uh, thing where you can do crazy transitions. Uh, so and of course, it's it can also be too much, but I think uh, it's really really nice that we have the, the option. So I'm excited. Yeah, about I just um, I just looked into it. You're right. It's it's a Chrome and Edge for now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so no WebKit or or uh, or Firefox yet. Um, also, also Edge. Yeah, yeah, Edge, but that's Chromium, right? So, so, so yeah, I guess okay, that's so, so all Chromium. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also Arc and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Actually, on that note, I, I'm 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 gonna segue into something completely different here. I was with you know Arc. You mentioned that, right? I actually. Mm. I've been using it privately, you know, uh, for a long time, like like the last few months. And I'm actually enjoying it. Um, um, I I recently heard some mentions on Twitter about it being very, very, very resource heavy and stuff like that. Um, mm. I haven't run into that myself, maybe because I don't have like I don't, it depends, right? I don't have that much open at a time. Um, but I'm actually enjoying it. The the sidebar and the folders and the switching between you know sort of segments and stuff like that is really really cool. Um, yeah, I I've been thinking about trying it as well, but I haven't gotten to it yet so yeah it's just yeah I, I just decided to do the plunge right and i was like this is my primary browser on my own laptop right my private laptop and then i did it on my phone as well just to sort of keep that in sync um and i've been i've been enjoying it i, I haven't felt anything differently mm. you got to get used to some of the new things right of course yeah. but but uh but the browsing but, experience is really good yeah and and it syncs your tabs across devices right or yeah something. it does yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty um, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty that. cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it the way the tabs work is also pretty cool. And then, and the thing I I haven't actually used it myself, but they've gotten a lot of um, um, uh, good feedback on it. Is something called boosts, right? It, but that's like if yeah. if you wanted to style Twitter in your in your own way, they have a like an API or you can actually go in and do that. And then whenever you go into Twitter on on Arc, it'll like to use your style sheet, uh, I guess, and you can. It's not just style sheets. You can actually customize a lot of things. You can like remove buttons, etc., stuff like that. And it'll apply that. Uh, hmm. I think it's other like browsers have had, yeah, yeah. Other browsers yeah. have had 
something similar where you could, you know, like every time you launched a web page, you would have a script and it could do some of these things, right? But this yeah. is just cleaner and more user friendly, I guess. But yeah, um, I think I, I remember in Firefox. Uh, I don't know if, if it's there still, but there was something called Spider Monkey. Ah, like yeah, for, yeah, I remember for, that one yeah. for scripting and stuff. Uh, so. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I heard about the boosts for Arc. They were, they, I think I, I have also heard uh, nice things about them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, could, I, I can rem recommend trying try it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. That's, uh, yeah, sorry, that was just a segue of something. It was just it caught my ear when you mentioned it. I was like, I, I, I had, I wanted to <laughs> mention that at some point in the podcast, right? And I was like, I totally forgot. But yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There's that. Yeah. Uh, View transition API. That's the one we talked about. <laughs> yes, but yeah, you're right. That is pretty cool. Also, because if you, as you mentioned, right, if you, I think Gatsby and stuff like that, uh, you know, uh, was sort of the um, some of the first ones to do this, right? Where you have like your completely static pages, right? But you did get view transitions because when it loaded up on the client side, right, it it would load all the JavaScripts and then it would be client side um, navigation once you were on the client, right, and it had loaded all these things. So you sort of got yeah. that, but it required a lot of JS to be, you know, downstream just for that. You know, like mm. even if your your page was just normal static MDX content or whatever HTML text, um, then you would still need all that. So this is, I think this is pretty pretty insanely cool. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing how people use it, and also sort of like how can our current frameworks use it because you can still use it with those as well, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that uh, Nuxt actually implemented some of it, like oh. because they, they have some their own like built-in like the JavaScript way of of having page transitions. But I think they also implemented this new thing. Yep. And yeah, Kevin is, yeah. is nodding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did not so long ago. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is a perfect segue into our next segment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because, as Kevin mentioned, uh, on a new project of ours at the office, we are working. Well, I, I say we, but that's we as an office, right? But I guess uh, between the three of us, it's Kevin. Um, uh, working on a new, what is it, View 3 and Nuxt application. Is that, is that correct, Kevin? That is correct. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, oh, traditionally, uh, in the last years, when we've built uh, mostly content websites, have been a lot of the new new projects we've been doing. Uh, we've been using Umbraco and and kind of having this, uh, I guess, standard Umbraco setup. You can say, or can you call it old school now, where we're uh, <laughs> it's mostly server side, uh, and, and yet, uh, yeah, traditional uh, page transitioning which isn't transitioning because you're fetching a new page uh from the server um and and we yeah on a, on a newer project we're we're trying out we're going to try out the umbraco headless setup uh instead so that of course also means a new front-end setup because traditionally we've been using uh, uh mostly static html and css in in a lot of cases uh and then some stencil on top if we need it uh, some dynamicness, um, but with the with the headless setup, uh, we're we're trying out Nuxt uh, for this. So yeah, View three and Nuxt three uh, still still kind of worked on for a long time, but View Nuxt three is kind of new 
in its 1.0 release. You can call it a full release. Um, but but yeah, getting updates constantly. Also, the page transition API recently, and they're uh, they're just uh, yeah, also adding a lot of stuff every week. It feels like almost now uh, since it's so new. So uh, they they've just been trucking along in Vue three as well. Um, so it's been been really nice to get into a little bit. I haven't worked uh, or we haven't worked much with the data aspect of things. And it's mostly been uh, building up the UI and creating some components uh, and things like that. So we haven't gotten into the, the nitty gritty of, of the actual uh, using the API and all the, the cool Nuxt um, stuff it comes with. Um, but it's really cool because before we had to, it, it, there's always advantages and disadvantages, I guess. Uh, but before we had to, have our HTML basically live double because we had the the .NET setup where you had the, the razor views, the CS HTML uh, powered razor views, um, where we had a lot of the static HTML living, but we also like to work in, in for example, Storybook for the front end. Uh, so the HTML had to be there as well. And there's no way to sync those two up because one is JavaScript and the other is uh, .NET. Uh, Razor. So uh, we always had to have it in two places, uh, which is annoying, especially if you want to rework or redo existing components. You always had to have, do it in two files and uh, had to test it twice almost in some cases. Um, and yeah, that was just a little bit annoying. So now uh feels a bit more modern and, and more streamlined. Uh, that we actually have it <laughs> living in one place. Everything's, everything's a view component. Um, and I think it's, it's also just really nice that before when we, when we build a new feature on a website, when we had the stencil set up, we, there was always a discussion of like, what should be server side, what should be client side. And then sometimes we decided to make something server side to keep it static and easy. But then when you start building on top, you're like, oh, we should have probably just done this front end because now we need a lot of dynamic things mm. updating and then we're suddenly stuck in this middle yeah. position which is just really annoying sometimes to work with uh so now now it's really easy everything component everything's just a view component we know that uh everything's just uh, a js component which is super super nice um, yeah and it, it, it also makes it easier to to change direction later on like if you want to say oh we'll we start with everything is coming from the server server side and then if you want to if, if the client changes uh opinion or maybe gets uh, more ambition uh, then we can like make it uh, like we can expand on that and move more to the client if that makes sense if that if it should be a more dynamic experience and it's it's, uh, it's you don't have to to take the decision that much in the beginning you can just uh, just go with it and and uh, change it a little bit along the way so i think that's pretty pretty neat yeah it does sound uh, really awesome and uh, <clears throat> just another question here like you you mentioned mentioned <laughs> mentioned mentioned view components right but that's uh, that's that's view 3 now right so that's actually it's been a while i know since you've built stuff in view is that a is that very different from older syntax or is it the same like i know they have a, had a few api and additions and stuff like that. Yeah, is that that's uh so 
view two to view three is that they have like two ways of writing your components. Uh, and in view two, you only had one of those options, which is called the options API, which is a very, it looks very like object based. So in each component, mm. you, you have like an object of these are my, or an array in some cases. These are my components that are used. These are my, uh, like lo this is my local data. These are my methods and stuff. Like for example, the methods you actually had to wrap in a methods object. Oh, okay, um, yeah. It, that was called the options API. And then with view three, they built what they call the composition API, which is more uh, modern, I guess, than what you're used to, to what you're using in Angular and stuff, more uh, class-based um, syntax uh, with, with decorators and, and things like that. Uh, okay. Also very, very similar looking to stencil in a lot of ways yeah. uh, or, or lit. Um, so that's, that is a really big difference. In, in the way you write it, but you can still use the option API. They haven't killed it yet. They might at some point, um, but it still works. So if you are still using that, then it's not a huge upgrade. I think I haven't tried uh, upgrading a project from two to three. Um, but if you want to use the, the new composition API, which is the recommended one, then it's a uh, pretty much a complete overhaul in a lot of cases so um but there's also a composition api package for view 2 so you can do it the other way around as well you could oh, use view okay. 2 and then you could already jump on the composition api a while back so it depends a little bit what you're using but if you use standard view 2 to standard view 3 what they recommend then it's a quite a big difference also view 2 was uh, not built on TypeScript and Vue three Vue three is completely rewritten uh, in okay, TypeScript yeah, from yeah. the bottom up. So that's also an, a big change. Uh, very nice, but but uh, takes takes time to get used to. So yeah, it's quite a, a big difference if you if you want to fully upgrade, so to speak, or do it the, the recommended way. Yeah, um, it's it looks very different. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's um, and then then the Nuxt part, right? Because then you have the, the view components, of course, right? And then Nuxt is sort of the build, the build thingy of it, what you call toolbox, right? So how does like because you know it it has server side rendering and stuff like that. How does the routing work? Is like, do you have to set up a router, or is it uh, like a lot of these uh, file based? It's yeah, it is file based. Okay, uh, and that's as far as they there. I think there are ways to override it, but that's really not recommended. I think so. It is it is file structure based. So if you uh, you have like your folders are also named in a like you need to have a components folder and a pages folder. Again, I'm sure you can override it if you really want to do custom custom, but um, they, they have predefined names for the folders. Uh, like for example, there's an assets folder or a public folder for your fonts and images and SVGs and whatnot. Um, so they, yeah. they're very so predefined. Uh, it, it it is kind of uh, opinionated, but I think that's a good thing, actually, because uh, then you don't have to make those choices. You can just go with it, and it is easy to also to hire new people because this is the way to to do it, right? And and it's the same for Angular, right? That's very opinionated. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. uh, that's everyone knows like how a Angular project is structured because it's the same. So. Yeah, I think Vue and Angular are very similar in that very aspect, and I actually yeah. don't mind it. Like a you know. 
you know, having the, the hugest toolbox ever and just like, you know, go ham on it. That's fine. You know, if people mm-hmm. like building like that. But then we've also seen, <laughs> you, you know, the downsides of that is like, then you got into a project and it's like, it has these 20 dependencies to weird things just to make one thing work right. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. 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 It, as everything again it has pros and cons but i i also really yeah. started to like it i think if especially if we're gonna have a, maybe a couple of projects in the future uh that use next then you you know everything is because it doesn't change right uh, it's always in the same place um, yeah. and and they can do really nice things with it like you have all of your i guess uh, main components or your building blocks so to speak all your you know buttons and or bigger components whatever um, they live in a folder called components. Um, and a really cool thing is that uh, it has auto-importing. So you oh. don't have to actually, if if you have, a, let's say, you have a header navigation and you want like a login button or something there, uh, you can just use your button component in the HTML. You don't have to import it because it knows it, it, it does it automatically. Uh, and it actually does the same with... Uh, your view three, I don't know if they're called decorators, technically functions or whatever, uh, but let's say you want to make uh, something reactive in a component and you can use the either ref or reactive uh, not to get into that, but uh, syntax uh, to make something reactive. Uh, and traditionally in view three, you had to import that like you do in, I guess you do that in Angular as well. Anything yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. use Decorator from the framework. Six. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, import exactly. uh, And with, with Nux, you can... Uh, just let it figure that out for itself. Uh, so you don't actually have to import anything. You can just write, use your components and use your decorators, if that's what it's called. I might be using the wrong name, but it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, and you can just use it directly, which is, I think, very nice. Uh, I haven't run into issues with it. Um what about um, what about code splitting? Because I, I know that's a, a that's a thing where React and Vue have been you know way ahead uh, of Angular in a long time. While where you could very granularly, uh, like on a very granular level, you could you could like code split and you know like just load this component when I actually use it and stuff like that. Is that is that uh, Nux takes you know that to the next level too? Or that's also a very relevant question for this podcast. Where we we are the code splitters, so we should know <laughs> about the code splitting. <laughs> I thought you were going to give like a, a very extensive uh, no, no, no. I uh, just, answer. I, just, I was I waiting just for it, like the deep dive. No. <laughs> I actually haven't looked into that too much, but since it's uh, since Nuxt is using a node server and fetching the page from there, I am assuming you will only you will only fetch the components you need. But I I actually haven't looked into that too much, so um, I, I don't want to say anything that's not. <laughs> I also don't want to like uh, uh, like hu- huge disclaimer. This might be wrong, but I'm guessing that uh, it's code splitting on a page basis. So like uh, because it's uh, the routing is file based. So each page, like like one one each file you have in that structure, will have its own uh, bundle. Would be mm. my guess. I, I think that's what I investigated like a long time ago. My okay. also have changed yeah. since, but yeah. I guess that makes sense, like with a with a sort of zero config uh, approach to it, right? And then if you want to go more granular, as I said, then maybe you you still have the option to do so. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. From what I can read, very very quickly. Uh, yeah, it seems to be on route basis. It just fetches everything it needs. Yeah. There. Yeah. 
I guess that makes sense, right? With the SSR. Yeah. That's mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And also like uh, another thing that's quite nice with the uh, Nuxt, I, I've used it a little, little bit uh, on a small project. So you can, there's this uh, thing called uh, async data. So, mm. it, which is a function where you can like, that function is called on the server. So it will, it will run that, uh, or is it maybe even on build time? I, I guess it depends on what what mode you're you're using because you can also do like a um, uh, what's it called, uh, like generating a static site. Uh, yeah, yeah, the so, pre-render stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. but but that will run uh, not on the client, um, but it will run, I think, on the server on the build time. So okay, uh, yeah. that, that that is where you should fetch the the data. So it will be server side rendered. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and you can even uh, when you do that, you can even uh, have it uh, even if you're using like a REST API. You can tell it, I only need like this. Let's say you're fetching uh, from an API that has has a lot of properties or whatever in the API call. You can say, I only want this. Let's say product list or something, and then you can name that directly in a variable and say I only want this part uh, of the data. Mm, that's uh, nice. So it just makes it. A, it's not a huge thing because it still has to do the API call, of course, but uh, makes it a little uh, nicer to use. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. <laughs> I heard about some some crazy things around like Nuxt three, I think it was like in that, that they add some stuff around uh, like integration with the edge functions, or like uh, like you can easily uh, deploy edge functions, uh, or like it's part of integrated in the code. Uh, I haven't even looked into it, but I just heard that it's uh, it's working nicely. So. Lots of good, good stuff with Next 3. Awesome. I'm actually very excited to hear more about this. Also because, I guess, as you mentioned, Kevin, right, it's a fairly new, like, all across the office as well, like, like using it in, in a bigger context here. So uh, I think we'll definitely have to revisit that. Yeah, I think in a couple of episodes we'll have a lot more. Now we're still in the uh, startup phase of the project, so we haven't really gotten into the, as I said, into the uh, the nitty gritty of the data and API uh, stuff, but in a couple of episodes, we'll probably have some yeah. some more updates on how it's. That's going to be a recurring segment for the next three months or so. <laughs> <laughs> how it's going? <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get back to you on the what, what not to do. Uh, <laughs> yes, now everything is just uh, nice and grass is always greener, but I'm sure yeah. we'll run into some issues as well. Uh, we should uh, screenshot Kevin's <laughs> face as well and use it as a mood board. We can sort of see, like, how did that go across the end? <laughs> <laughs> yes, talk to me again when we have to optimize for CO. <laughs> <laughs> that was always just handled by the backend. Yeah. Or the true, yeah, yeah. backend. Now we have to... Nah. No, no, there's... there's... Nuxt also has a lot of uh, nice setup for that, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Direct so for CO too, yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah. So that's quite cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I think I think that's pretty much all we had for this time, unless someone has anything else they want to share here right at the end. Um, yeah. So I think without further ado, we will uh, hopefully get back to you next month with another episode. But uh, until that, uh, enjoy, everyone. Bye. Bye.
so much for listening to this episode of the Codeflitters podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends or add a review in your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on Twitter at Codeflitters or on our website, codesplitterspodcast.com. Until next time, take care.